Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And we are going to wrap up the Advocate Barbie case today. This is the last it's that you have to. It's been a long road. I know. Yeah. Last you have to hear of Dirk Prinsloo. Yeah. Well, may, hopefully not the last because he's not. He better pop up into feed of he got a life lengthy in prison. prison sentence. Yeah. yeah. So go back and listen to the previous episode uh, so that you're all caught up because we got a lot to get to. I've got 15 more pages of uh, notes here. So we don't have a lot of time to recap, but this is where, remember, um, just think complete narcissist. And at this point in time, he has been, um, he has full control over Suzanne Vassar. And they've really only known each other for a matter of months. And they are committing crimes against women of raping them and drugging them. And now, trigger warning, we're going to get into some crimes against children. This is a sexual abuse case, so if that is triggering for you, you know, skip us till next time. We'll come We'll come at you next time with something equally as horrible. Horrible, yeah. yeah. That's what we do on Crime Curious. <laughs> we don't ever talk about good people, really. Unless you, you make it to the brain bath, and then yes. those are just a reward. Those are rewar- yes, for making well, it through. Sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> Some of them are equally as disturbing. Good point. <laughs> like the Christmas tree up the vagina. Yes, that, that one. Bad. Yep. All right. So Dirk was reportedly no longer satisfied with young sex workers. Because remember, Suzanne is going out and getting sex workers as well. Yeah. There have been frequent uh, threesomes. Now, it's only women because Dirk insists on watching Suzanne have sex with women. And, right. and he likes to have sex with other women. But she can't be touched by another man, of course. And so there was a red flag amongst the sex work community, though, because she was purposely going up and asking for the youngest members that they had. So that oh, wow. that was a red red flag to them where they're just like, okay, these people are, are creepy. They get to a point where mm, the sex workers aren't wor- willing to uh, hand over the young ones to them as much anymore. So even the sex workers are a little bit concerned. Absolutely. Of like, no, no, this isn't, this isn't okay. And Dirk then instructs Suzanne to find a way to get younger children so that, that aren't sex workers. And this is what she comes up with. She came up with an idea to approach foster homes for children. Stop it. Orphanages. Mm Mm-hmm. Now. Journal, the I don't know if I can handle this. I know. This one is, is rough. It pulls on all of our social work heartstrings, that's for sure. And this is why we, if you're hearing clinking in glasses, it's only because we're having just a little bit of a drinky drink. To we take needed the a edge little, little drinky drink. Mm-hmm. I'm going to suck down some captain and get through this. Now. Oh my gosh, I'm so mad already. Yeah. Many of the orphanages that they approached recognized them from. The papers. Remember, they've been in the media. Yeah. 
She made it onto round two of South African Idols, even though she can't carry a tune. Well, and plus all of the, you know, scrapbooking with their home photos that they've been doing from the yes. sex orgies. We'll get back to the scrapbook. I like that you use that term. <laughs> but, I mean, people see her tits coming from a mile away. Oh, you so can't they're like, miss oh, those. Oh, Advocate Barbie, there she is, Suzanne. You can't miss those. Mm-mm. So, at first, they're they're kind of in awe. That this couple, although they are clearly have a kinky sex life. Want to help the children? They, yeah. They want to foster young girls for the weekend. Oh, God. Little, come on, people. Little respite care. So there were many homes that told them no. But several others had no issue. And actually, as a little side note here, it was discovered during the trial that these homes that did release young girls to them had zero, little to zero screening process for any potential respite home like weekend or adoptive parents. This is so terrifying. Right. So, I mean, think these two asshats are bad enough, but there are more people like this out in the world and without a screening process and knowing what were all yeah. these other children exposed to. There's no to? protection for these kids no. at all. No. So done. Because like you said, this was her idea to recruit people for this piece of shit. Dirk wanted younger kids. How are we going to get them? Because younger kids aren't being sex workers. We can't get them that way. I know. Orphanages. Nobody will, you know, stop us. They're vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Yep. So there were several orphanages that allowed the couple to take children out for the weekend. Now, there are more victims than what we know about. But the book Shattered Lives talks about three victims in depth, and that's what a lot, most of the media coverage is about as well. Now, we know that there are more victims. There is very possibly more victims that just never came forward as well, because it took quite a while for these victims to even come forward. I'm sure. Sorry, so, I was just like, Spencer. this case Scott, is aging me. Satan, is that you? <laughs> Is he coming through your body to be like, again, this isn't me, guys. Not my, even I wouldn't go this yeah, far. Yeah, he's like, I have my limits. Yeah. I'm, I've aged 10 years doing this case. <laughs> I think you have. Yes, for sure. So I'm not going to use names. Uh, many of the names were changed anyway. So I'm just going to refer to them by their ages. Um, okay. And I just didn't even need to confuse us with fake names. I'm just going to use their ages. The first victim was a 15-year-old young young woman, a 15-year-old young lady. And the reason that, like, basically Suzanne just showed up at the orphanage and was like, we would like to take young girls, you know, for the weekend, some respite care. And the orphanage is like, you know what? We have a 15-year-old that has aspirations to become a lawyer we think would be great for you. The couple is like, wonderful. We're both lawyers. Can we have a moment of reality just for a second can you imagine in our social work mindset i know what you're gonna suzanne say suzanne coming through that door no asking to take a young girl in what'd you call her off air sugar tits no suzanne with her uh three layer tits her three layer tits walking in specifically asking for young girls for the weekend when you know in the media that these photos have leaked. What would you tell Suzanne if she came in in the door? I would tell Suzanne, honey baby, sweetie pie, 
let me help you take a few layers <laughs> off from those titties because they're a hazard to the environment. Yes, to the world. Yes. And let me get you some help. Also, you dropped a hair extension is laying behind <laughs> it's you. It's hanging off of, of your asshole. Right. Like, absolutely not. There are so many red flags, and it gets worse, because wait until I tell you about the next victim. I'm not there judging, but so I'm judging. Many, no, there are so many red flags. We are in the social work world. Shame on these orphanages. There, yes. This was obvious. The media coverage, people recognized them. And instead of being in awe by the fact that these two kinky lawyers wanted to do something good, how about we actually look at what's going on here? Yeah, seriously. They come and specifically ask for young girls for the weekend? What the fuck do you think that they're going to do with I'm on them? the fence with... Did you really not know or did you just not give a you shit? You didn't give a shit. Because that's that's what comes to mind for me. Yep. Suzanne, Su- Suzanne. Suzanne coming in with her freaking whole mesh yep. tank tops. and Exactly. Her barely there clothing. And I'm not shaming the way people dress. I'm not trying to do that. Like, you can wear what you want. But, like, somebody like that coming in like, oh, we want to foster. Like, exactly. For the weekend. We've done adoption studies, Amber. Sorry, but I'm going to take into effect, into effect the fact that you are overly sexual and you're wanting, and it's clear they're overly, overly sexual. It's in the media. There's all kinds of stuff coming and out. And you yourself are photographed being drugged in a dog yes. collar. Clearly, you are not making and you're okay good with this. choices yep. to protect a vulnerable child yep and now you want we're gonna give you a 15 year old yeah a very impressionable 15 year old just to give you some some time frame perspective okay when dirk actually went and picked the 15 year old up because Suzanne was at that african idols competition that same day oh wouldn't you know that same friday so we're talking like you guys this was freaking quick after she gets wrapped up with him okay and I know, I know we've got some back and forth here about the victim mentality and, and those things, but damn, this is fast. Now, they go and picked up, pick, uh, Dirk and the 15-year-old went and picked up some groceries. He had like forgot something, something like that, sent her back in for a bag. He had accidentally left a bag. She ran back in real quick, got it, and was like jogging to the car. And her first initial impression of Dirk is that they had a nice conversation. Everything's going good. When she jogged back to the car and put the bag in, he told her how sexy she looked running. And the 15-year-old was like, okay, first of all, this is creepy because why is a grown-ass man calling me sexy? But also, she testified in court about how she thought it was weird that anyone would look sexy running. Which, same girl, I don't know if you've ever seen Friends, but I look like Phoebe from Friends running. Oh, God, you don't want to see me run. nothing sexy about about me running and I think she felt that way too like no I didn't look sexy running jogging to the car you know so then they go to inner circle castle which if you remember from part one is what he calls his home because his ego because he's a douche canoe exactly exactly and to further prove how much of a douche canoe he is Amber the first thing that this 15 year old notices is that on the kitchen counter is a large trophy that reads best fucker from your slut which first of all 
I'm just saying he doesn't deserve a trophy. I need something stronger than booze. I can't handle this. I just despise this person mm-hmm. so much. Both and, of both of them at this point. And um, you're not going to feel better <laughs> no, as we go on. <laughs> so immediately the 15-year-old notices the sex toys, the bondage items, the porn they're all, videos. They're all out, They're right? everywhere. Of course they didn't put them away to have this child. A child. She was extremely uncomfortable. Uh, Suzanne took her shopping on that Saturday. And, like, helped her pick clothing, okay? Totally ignored the fact that the girl wears a medium. She kept handing her extra smalls. Told her that if you want men to lust after you, then you need to give them something to look at. hmm She also took her into the dressing room when they were trying clothes on and took that moment to strip down completely naked and show the 15-year-old all of her vaginal piercings. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Saturday night, the couple decide that they're going to go out, and they told the child that she, you know, she's in by herself at the house by herself for a couple hours. And Dirk's like, oh, hey, I popped a movie in for you. Just go ahead and push play. Oh, no. You know what type of movie that was. I do. So she was exposed to her first uh, porn movie when she hit play. My heart breaks for this child so much. She noticed that at the breakfast table, uh, Dirk was looking at a porn magazine, just flipping through it, eating eating his croissants. I wish he would have choked on one. No kidding. Choked on a croissant. <laughs> choked on a croissant. Yes. In casual conversation, he just happened to look up and ask her how she washed her, washes her genitals. You know, like you do. Breakfast. Just normal conversation normal at the breakfast, breakfast table. Combo. Yeah. You and I talk about that all the time. So how do you wash front it? Front to back, back to front, side to side. How do you do it, Amber? Oh my gosh, the trauma this poor child mm-hmm. endured. She also noticed that they were specifically naming an 11-year-old that lived in the same orphanage that she did and was asking about her. And she's like, yeah, I mean, I know who she is, but I don't know anything about her. You know, they specifically asked this 15-year-old if the 11-year-old had ever been molested by someone. And she's like, I don't know. She just recently came to the home, the foster home. So she's like, I have no idea. That bears the question of were they purposely seeking out children who had been molested before or were they trying to avoid children who had been molested before? Either way, it was very, very thoroughly thought out. Right. Absolutely. Then, next, Suzanne decides to teach the 15-year-old how to perform oral sex on a man by demonstrating, by performing on Dirk in front of the child. I'm so sick of this guy whipping his penis out. It's got to stay in. I mean, The baby bird needs to stay in its nest, buddy. For real. Like, it's just like... All day, every day. Like, oh. He's so obsessed with himself and with his own penis. It's awful. All of this with her, I think, was really a test to see how she was going to respond. respond. So that's the extent of what the 15-year-old was willing to share eventually, you know, in court. I don't know if anything else happened other than she she was traumatized 
by this. She was she had a hard time. She didn't tell anybody about it at the time. It actually came out later when other victims came forward. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine what that was like. Now I will tell you too that during the trial, the lady at the orphanage had made a statement in her testimony that it didn't dawn on her that because that that a married couple shouldn't be performing sex acts in front of children, she literally made a statement that because they were married, because she thought they were married, that she didn't have a right to tell them that they couldn't perform oh. sex acts on one another in front of oh. children. Wow. And she's so, working in an orphanage. Yep. And so that begs the question of, so if they weren't married, which by the by, they're not because Dirk is still married to his ex or to his wife that he's divorcing or she's divorcing him, but still. Um, Good for her. Right. Uh, So if they weren't married, you would have told it's them okay. it's not okay. But since they are married, it's totally fine. It's not my place to tell them yeah. what to do. I cannot wrap my ba- my brain around this logic. First of all, it's just a freaking cop out because what she was trying to do was blame. They lied to us. They told us that they were married. Yeah. So we thought that that made them a normal couple. First of all, unmarried people make great parents too. So shut your little Also, like overlooking that this is a minor child that you're just taking for the weekend and that's just appropriate to do and you... Yep. Don't think there's a problem. Only for the with weekend. That? Yep. It's respite care. Yeah. Yep. They're trying them out. I think they did try to present as like pre adoptive. Like I, I would, you know, we want to try them out on like what? Like, like you're trying on clothes? Like you're test driving a car? Yeah. We just want to take one for the weekend and see. Yeah. Girls only. Yeah, right. Young girls only. So that just pissed me off. But anyway, the next child that they take home was an 11 year old. Now, this 11-year-old had come from a very hard childhood. She had only been at the home for a short time, and so she was still adjusting, and she was having so much problems adjusting and had so much trauma in her life. And she also didn't want to go with them. Okay? She expressed that. Now, initially, the home, the, the like, lady of the home, the you know, the head lady, had said no. We don't think that it's a good idea for you to take her. She's still adjusting. She had a really rough upbringing. You know, no. So Suzanne just waited until that lady was off for the day, picked up, acted like, nope, we have this already prearranged. Even though the child was, like, kicking and screaming and didn't want to go, then she they just escorted her right out to Suzanne's car. Oh, my gosh. And that was all premeditated by Suzanne. She figured out when, what days that lady didn't work and purposely showed up on that day. This is so sad. When they get in the car, Dirk is in the car as well. And um, and the thing is, is that she had, like, charmed and manipulated the other workers that were there of, oh, nope, it's totally okay. This is prearranged. We're supposed to be taking her for the weekend. She was wearing, you guys, talk about red flags. This is what Dirk and Suzanne showed up to pick this 11-year-old girl up on a Friday in. Suzanne was wearing ski pants that were three sizes too small to, for her and a fucking bikini top that only covered her nipples on her, as you put it, three-layer what? breasts. What? Oh, yeah. You want to know what Dirk was wearing? 
lycra cycling shorts and he was naked from the waist up. They said they were going to the gym. That's oh what they God. showed up to, to get pick, an eleven-year-old child, to get an eleven-year-old little girl for the weekend. Shame on every yep. fucking person that worked in that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an like orphanage. Said, like, Is that what yes. they consider it to yes. be? Yep, an orphanage. Like you said, they just didn't care. They did not care. Nope. So they hand her over, and um, Suzanne's like fully turned around in the vehicle. And hands the little girl ski pants and told her to change. And she was like, uh, no, I don't want to put these on. She, Suzanne explained, we're going to the gym and you have to dress a certain way at the gym and you're going to embarrass us if you're wearing your regular clothes to the gym. So she had to change in front of them. With Suzanne completely turned around watching the little girl change and Dirk watching in the rear mirror. Yep, they did go to the gym. And when they got home, and just trigger, this one is just really, really bad. So just trigger alert. Um, when they got home, the 11-year-old had to watch Suzanne change out of her gym clothes, clothes in her bedroom. So she was exposed to all the sex toys, all the pornography that is going on, all the magazines, everything. Suzanne stripped off her own clothing and then proceeded to use a vibrator on herself in front of the 11-year-old child. Then she handed it to her and told her it was her turn. The child refused, so she just continued to masturbate herself and fondle the 11-year-old while the child was crying and frozen in fear. When Suzanne was finished, she made the child pick out a porn movie, which she, when she testified, she was like, I just grabbed the first thing that her hand really came into contact with and just handed it to Suzanne. She was forced to watch the movie while Dirk and Suzanne reenacted everything that was happening on the movie in front of her. When they put her to bed, Dirk came into the room and tried to kiss and fondle her. The next, and she did like, you know, try to fight this away. The next day, she had to swim naked with Suzanne while Dirk watched. And they wanted her to wear skimpy clothing, but she actually refused to put them on. Later, she was called into the bathroom where crusty Dick Dirk was naked in the tub and she was told to perform oral sex on him. She was paralyzed in fear and when they realized that they couldn't get her to do it, she just watched as Suzanne did it. What is it with this man in oral sex? Like, he is obsessed. My heart just hurts so much for this child. <sighs> when Dirk got out of the tub, he told Suzanne to shave uh, the 11-year-old's legs and she was protesting, saying she would get in trouble at the orphanage if she shaved. But Suzanne held her down and did it anyway. And when they returned her, uh, she did not come forward with what had happened at first. But then after a few days, she could not take it anymore. And she did Aww. tell someone. They went to the authorities. But the authorities had to start a whole like investigation through social services and all of that. So no action was immediately taken oh, as they were starting that. the investigation. And so because of this, there are more victims. Now, this home did not allow them to take any more children. And they did warn some other local orphanages as well. But there were still others that had not heard that were still allowing them to take girls. Now, the last victim that we're going to talk about, and I saved her for last, as most coverage of this does, is because this 
young lady was by far the most impacted by their crimes. And um, her name is Janine Fensel. I am naming her because although she was a minor at the time of the crimes, she is no longer with us. So I feel like her story needs to be told. Uh, Janine did not have an easy life at all. She was one of four children. Her parents were heavily drug and alcohol addicted. Very neglectful. She did have a sister that she was really close with, um, Relene. So her name is Janine and her sister's name is Relene. At nine years old, she and her sister took to the streets begging for money and food. It was not long before Janine started engaging in sex work for money and food for survival, but uh, Relene did not. And part of the reason that Janine knew to do this is because this was a way that her mom had um, got money to be able to um, support her drug habit. So these are the things that Janine was growing up seeing and experiencing. Um, the children often stayed with their grandparents, and the, which sounds okay, except for the fact that her grandmother had recently remarried a man, and that man began sexually molesting Janine and Raleen. So she told her mom and dad about the abuse, but was told to grin and bear it because they did not want police investigating anything in their family because then the police are going to become privy to their own crimes, the parents, Janine's parents' own crimes, and they'd be on the radar. Wow. So her parents knew that she was being molested by step-grandpa. And they're like, you're just going to have to take it. Yep. Because we don't want our own crimes to come to light. I just, what the, I can't I know. do this. Dogs are the best people there I is. love dogs. <laughs> this is why. This is why I love dogs. Yep. So Janine and Raleen ran away from home because of the molestation. They preferred to be on the streets than have to deal with that. I don't blame them at all. Yep. Now, the their parents did end up getting a divorce. I mean, frankly, they were cheating on each other anyway. And then, tragically, they basically become abandoned because the when each of them go right to a new relationship, their partners don't want anything to do with their kids. So they just don't have Discard parents. Them. Yep. There was a neighborhood woman named Sue who helped the, the girls on and off for years. And Sue actually like collected a lot of what was considered street kids and tried to help. She took people in, um, you know, runaways, things like that. She often tried to help them get off drugs. She would give them st- stability when they needed it. But the girls did kind of struggle a little bit with Sue's rules. And there were times that they'd kind of run off from Sue, but then they'd come back. The other thing here is that whenever the girls were doing good and their mom caught wind that they were doing good and that they were with Sue... Mom would show back up and demand that the kids come back and live with them. Oh, wow. So I've seen that time and time again working in CPS for sure. Who do those girls think they are? Better than them? Trying to better themselves? So this cycle went on for quite some time. Sue did contact social services, and she testified that she was told a couple of different things. One... One thing that she was told was that the girls were living on the outside of society too long, that there was no helping them. And then the other is that 
uh, social services reportedly told them told her that she's not a registered social worker, so she needs to stop meddling. Wow. Which makes me super sad. Yeah, for sure. When Janine was 11, she was diagnosed as having borderline personality disorder, and she had begun drinking alcohol every day and smoking pot. She was placed in a children's home, but she constantly ran away from them. She... um really wanted to be with Sue, but her mom wouldn't allow it, wouldn't allow it and would call the police on Sue and get Sue in trouble. Like she, like Sue had been the one to kidnap her. So when Janine was 12, she met a 20 year old woman named Nestor. This is what's kind of weird in the book and in reports, they talk about how Nestor and Janine were in love and how like Nestor was caring for Janine Janine loved her back. This bothers me because just because Nestor's a woman doesn't make it okay that she's 20 years old and like in love with a 12 year old. Yeah. So this really bothered me because if that had been a man, we would be sitting here like, okay, creeper. Yeah. You're right. You're right. So I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with this, but Janine actually started using heroin Oh. At the age of 12. This is so sad. Before she'd even met Nestor. And this is what ends up ruining the, what was called a relationship between Nestor and Janine. In that Nestor said she couldn't watch Janine ruin her life and and, and kill herself with heroin. So Janine and Raleene go and they live in um, a a home that Sue had kind of put together. It was described as like an illegal foster home. It had 17 other street children in it in, in uh, Pretoria. I just want to say I love me some Sue, just trying Sue to like trying. help. Sue is trying. This home was a part of a project that she was working on. She was trying to get it zoned legally to be a foster home, okay, for children. Now, the story of this, of how she was trying to take this home and make it, you know, legal and make it a a good place for these street children, it made the news. Oh, no. Suzanne saw it. No, 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 no. Yeah. So she contacted Sue, and she told her that she could help. I mean, we've got two lawyers here. They're going to help her fight for the cause, right? Sue had no idea who Advocate Barbie was, and... It's because of that that she made it possible for them to have access to the children that were in Sue's care from the streets. And she also, like Suzanne, did a really good job of getting Sue to trust her. Not only that, but she ends up getting Janine's mom to trust her, too. She's manipulative. She's charming and manipulative, too. She t- Suzanne tells Sue that they are putting together a lingerie party. And they were wondering if there were any of the girls that, you know, Sue was helping out, would they be willing to model some of the lingerie and then they would get to keep it as like their payment for modeling. So Sue asked Raleen and Janine if they wanted to partake in the party and they agreed. Now, it was this party that's where the photograph with the two redheaded girls that I had told you about in part one that that um, PA saw. Yeah, or, it was them. Or that Lori, yeah, she's one of the authors of the book, Shattered Lives. Um, yeah, that they touched up, that Lori touched up for them. It was this lingerie party. The two girls 
the two redheads were um, had engaged in sex work before. So it wasn't odd to them to be asked to be naked and, and do things and to be photographed. It was all part of their norm. But they were underage. So Janine at this point in time was really trying to get her life back on track. Uh, she was she had been to rehab to get off from heroin and she was off from it. She was staying with Sue. She went back to school. At this time, her mother tried to clean up her act as well and was working in a children's home. Her mom oh my was working in a children's home. So Suzanne uh, I... really, really took to Janine and wanted her to come stay on the weekends. But it was actually Janine's mom that said no. Because Janine's mom had heard stories of Advocate Barbie and the crazy sex parties and all that stuff and said no. So Suzanne started doing parental grooming to gain oh my Janine's mother's trust. And it works. She takes her shopping. She buys her things. She bees. She bees. She bees all kinds of charming. I just, this is so unbelievable. Like I said, I love like what Sue was trying to do and helping these people, you know, these poor orphan teenagers. Yep. But. Well, and at this point in time, Sue helped Janine get into rehab, get straightened out. Then, uh, you know, and then Janine's own mom was trying to get her act together. So then they're, they're having a relationship. They're, you know, back with each other. Yeah. That sort of thing. Then I'm like the lingerie thing. Like, do you have anyone interested? Uh, Could we get a. Bigger red flag. You do have to remember that in other countries, lingerie and risque, what Americans consider risque uh, dressing, is very, very common different. and normal. Mm-hmm. It's not, other countries are not nearly as sexualized as our countries. And, and and it's nothing, I mean, it's nothing to walk around on the beach and see people naked or topless in other countries. Here, we don't do that here. Yeah. So Ugh. it's way, way different. So I will throw that out there in that the lingerie party thing might have just seemed like a really innocent, oh, this is what it looks like on a person, not overly sexualized thing. Of course, it, yeah. it was all a farce. It was nothing but a way for Dirk and Suzanne to get off. But it wasn't real. But And the thing is, is that Janine at this point in time had seen so much and been through so much. The porn and the sex toys, although the sheer amount of them in the home was shocking, seeing them in itself was not anything that was shocking to her. So the first weekend that they took her on the Saturday, um, on that Saturday, Dirk, and this is trigger warning, um, Janine remembers camera flashes she remembers bits and bits and pieces of both Suzanne and Dirk raping her. And we now know that they drugged her during dinner to do that. Later in court, Suzanne denied any of her involvement and blamed it all on Dirk. But Janine testified to vividly remembering both of them being partaking in it. And there are lots of photographs that will come up later. I was going to say, fuck all the way off, Suzanne. Mm-hmm. Sure Suzanne, can. sorry. So, yeah, now nah, we'll do whatever. I don't care to get her name right. I am so done with her. Yeah, no, right. I mean, I don't know shit about fuck, but I know <laughs> that this woman 
<laughs> is grotesque. Yeah. Like we like you said, I mean, we started out definitely victim, but now we're into like you're actively a mm-hmm. part of this. Mm-hmm. And, and of course in court, you're going to deny it. Of course. But there's photographic proof and there's testimony. Yeah. These were your, a lot of this was her idea. Correct. She problem solved to make this happen. Yes. And she went through all of the processes without Dirk to manipulate, to parentally groom Janine's mother, to groom Sue, to gain that trust. Oh yeah. She went through all that on her own. You are not a victim at this point. You are a predator. Yep. Absolutely. So, um, on Sunday, Janine of that weekend, Janine was really, really groggy. But Suzanne held her up and forced a vaginal douche on her in an attempt to remove all of the DNA evidence of the raping. She was returned to her mother that afternoon when actually Janine's mom had insisted that she be returned in the morning, but Janine was too drugged still to be able to return her in the morning, so she returned her in the afternoon. Um, Her mom remembers that Janine looked like a zombie, she was sobbing. She immediately admitted to her mother that she believed the couple drugged and raped her. Due to their history of, think about it, her mom didn't do anything about the grandpa molesting her. Yeah, yeah. She's not going to do anything about this couple molesting her. But it happened to be overheard by someone else that I, I'm not naming. And that person insisted that it get reported. Wow. Thank God. Yes, exactly. So Captain Cornelius was assigned, which I just love, love that name. it. He was assigned to the original investigation into the couple, and he talked to other orphanages about, hey, have you had any other complaints about this couple? That name just gives me fucking hope in yep, this case. Yep, like it Captain is official. Captain Cornelius gets it done, and it's Janine that starts. I, you the didn't process. even have to tell me that. I'm just like, fuck yes, Captain Heck Cornelius. Yes, Captain Cornelius. I feel like he needs like something behind his name. Captain Cornelius and the Bloodhound Gang. Yeah, you know, just yeah, something, something a little extra. Yeah, he sounds just so. Official and he absolutely is. He did his his job. Now this will piss you off though. The orphanages did refuse to give information at the time that they had learned from like the eleven year old and the fifteen year old that they already knew oh. of. They wouldn't give that information to Captain Cornelius. So initially, I don't know why my voice got so high there. Sorry. Initially, he didn't know about the fifteen year old and the eleven year old's experiences. Now, why wouldn't they give information? Hmm. Maybe because it makes them look like raging pieces, pieces of, of shit. shit. Yeah, Seriously. Exactly. I'm sorry. Whoever's out there working at the, like, was a part of that. Yeah, shame no. on you. For sure. He kept investigating. And he even got interviews with some of Dirk's PAs. Oh, boy. And it was that, those interviews, that he got enough information for a search warrant the search of inner circle castle took 10 hours they got two computers tons of porn 
a, a, so much an probably. amount that was probably so difficult to even document the the poor person the intern oh, that God. had to do that <laughs> sifting through all God. of that oh. probably felt like they had syphilis when they were done like can without you, a doubt is it airborne can you breathe it in you know <laughs> just from the porn yeah <laughs> there the the key here though was a photo ad- album that was in a safe. Remember you mentioned a scrapbook earlier? I did, yes. Well, that's basically what Suzanne and Dirk had put together. A little scrapbook of all their crimes against children. Trophies. Uh-huh. And it was right next to a bunch of prescription drugs that are commonly used for date rape drugs. Specifically, the big one, Rehypnol. Talk about hand serving yourself. Oh, on a platter with a little bow. God, I hate them. Yes, it's so bad. Yep. So the other thing is, though, those fo- some of those photos included girls that they had fostered. Now, is that how he not- found out about the other girls? Because yep. the, the orphanages We're didn't- not giving up that information. As I'm sure this does not surprise you. How do you think that little Dirk Prince Lou was behaving during the search warrant? Oh my gosh, I bet he was losing his shit. Losing his teeny tiny ever-loving mind, talking smack to them. He's lost control. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've got to show that. Like, how dare you come in here? Making threats that he was going to sue the state for this. He's being set up, Amber. He's being framed. He's going He's to a victim. sue them. Of course he, he is. is a victim in this. That's what all the narcissists say. So, I will say he did shut his weasel ass mouth, though, when they asked for the key to that safe. Because as a lawyer, he knew. Game over. I'm done. Yeah. So, while this is happening, while the investigation is happening, and Janine was the one that initiated the investigation, I'm sorry to tell you, but she started using heroin again. Um, because of the trauma from the rape, and she spiraled heavily out of control. She was diagnosed as HIV positive, and she literally was using so much that immediately when she was coming down from one high, she was shooting up for another. After the search, Dirk and Suzanne are arrested and taken into different places for questioning. And this is where we're going to get deep down into the battle between was Suzanne a victim or was she a full participant? Because Suzanne did not even wait to hear why she was there before she started singing like a canary and tells the police (laughs) that she had helped Dirk commit all kinds of crimes and that she'd be willing to tell them everything. Oh, wow. Wouldn't you know it? As long as it's going to get her a lesser sentence. She is a lawyer. She is. As much as we want to sit here and say this whole time what a, you know, dumb manipulated victim she may have come across as this girl's nobody's fool Mm -hmm. well she's not stupid also had some critical thinking skills to uh groom her victims and lure them in so now here's the thing and this is what i think i have the biggest problem she was claiming that she was under the total and complete control of dirk she even compared it to saying it was like He took her brain and replaced it with his brain. What she was talking about was brainwashing. Now, you and I both know we have experienced clients that have literally been brainwashed before. 
by a, by an abusive perpetrator. Does it take minutes to be deprogrammed, Amber? Uh, a little bit uh, longer than that. Yeah. You know, some people it takes years. At some people it's impossible to even completely deprogram them when they've been literally brainwashed. But this is what Suzanne Vassar wants us to believe. That she was, in that short time that she was with Dirk Prinsloo, that she was totally and completely brainwashed. They were together, I think this was all about a year, all this really takes place. It's crazy to think that it was only that short time right. that this happened. But she wants us to believe that she became deprogrammed without the help of experts or anything, simply being arrested and taken into police custody. Now, all of a sudden, she's no longer brainwashed by Dirk. I guess my uh, struggle with this is victim at first, yes, totally, you know, at first. But what I see is like... I'm saying like the first week. Yeah, victim at first. Like he love bombs. We've got, you know, we've got her into this. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, you played the role. Right. Like when it took the turning point where it was no longer about you and him making you into an international model and it was just making you into his sex slave and then making you into a perpetrator. Yeah. It's no longer, you know, I I can see from the very beginning where she's was whipped up in this whirlwind romance of, oh my gosh, he's got money. He's interested in me. He's saying he loves me. Right. Okay. He wants my nose changed. He wants my... Um, breasts to be larger than a wedding cake. And <laughs> and again, going back to that too, like if I have no true sense of who I am or any value in myself and this guy with money is telling me if I'm all these things, I could be a model and everything. All right, I get it. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have any skills to truly value yourself, mm-hmm. obviously. But now you're bringing children into this. Right. And if you don't see the problem with that and you didn't attempt to get out... At some point, because Literally, that's horrible. Literally, now you are a perpetrator. Like, like you, you yeah. uh, that's it for me. And you're clearly getting off on it. You're enjoying it. Like there, for, were, there were incidences where Dirk wasn't even there. Think of the 11-year-old. Right. Dirk wasn't yep. wasn't even there in the bedroom, and she is using a vibrator once, on herself. Like, once you bring the children in, like, that's the end of the road for me. Right. Like, you're not a victim anymore. Right. If you didn't try to get out and you don't see the problem and you just went along with it because, you know. Well, True Crime South Africa was like, you know what? I could believe all this if she had attempted or even followed through on actually murdering Dirk. If she had to take it that far to get away from him, I'd believe it. But one thing that I forgot to mention from part one, um, I must have skipped over it, but I realized that I forgot it. Um, There were reports. She said that to prove her loyalty to Dirk. She had to drink his urine. What? Yeah, and she did it. Wow. Just just to prove the loyalty. This was about the time that he started calling her my slut instead of princess. What a love story. Yeah. I guess. Romeo and Juliet with a twist. Best fucker. Best. Love best. your slut. Yep, yep, that trophy. A memoir. I guess if you don't have that. As a trophy, then, I mean, keep working on it, everyone. Oh, my god! You'll get there someday. This is just yeah, so much. But by the time, so Suzanne actually tried to write him a letter to end their relationship. Now, oh, remember. Now she wants to break up. Okay, but remember, she's a lawyer, so she knows inmates 
can't send letters to other inmates. So she knew it was never going to make it to him. Okay. Excuse me. And it didn't. But did she want to put that out there? Like, I'm ending this. Look at me. Of course she did. Because she knew it would be confiscated and it would never make it to Dirk. But they would see that she was trying to end it. However, by the time they appear in court together, she's back with him. She's going to support him. She's not going to testify against him. She would flip flop like this over a course of several months. Now, they were given bail under the order that they were not to have any contact with any of their victims or with each other, and Suzanne was ordered to live with her mother. Now, what do we know about narcissists and court orders? Well, they're above them. Of course they are. So Dirk tried to claim that the order was unconstitutional to order a married couple to not have contact. That's how narcissistic this man is. This actual eye booger thinks that he is going to prove to, to, to tell the court that they're married. They're not married. Well, I was just going to say, unless I missed something, I didn't hear that no. they had actually gotten married. He, that's how delusional he is. You think the court isn't going to look up your marriage real quick and see that you're not that married? You're not married? So no, maybe he felt like he was in a marriage because he'd pay for paid for the boobs, the nose, the lips, the. Uh, technically, she created her own lips. It was fat from her oh, ass. You know what? You're right. He had she nothing did. to do with that. He paid for the needle to suck it out from one place and put it shoot in it other. into the other. So, her mom was like, "Okay, if you're going to live with me, you are ending this relationship with Dirk." So she's like, yup, yup, uh, we're done, we're done. On Valentine's Day, she gets a bunch of roses in a crystal vase, and her mother is like, nope, I'm throwing them in the trash bin. Well, Suzanne didn't like that. An argument ensues. Her mom ends up throwing the um, vase on the floor. Suzanne calls Dirk. He comes and picks her up. She moves back in with him. Ew. All while they're out on bail and not supposed to have um, any order, you know, any contact with each other. She then goes and takes another PPO out on her mother once again. At this point, even it being my child, I'd be like, listen, best wishes to you, but this is enough for me. Mom comes in again later. There's more. If you thought that was enough for you, oh, honey, baby. Wait. Just wait for it. Good God. So Dirk starts love bombing her again, probably to try and make sure that she's not going to testify against him. 100%. So they um, spoke to the court about how, you know, you can't order her to live with someone that she's got a PPO out against. So they adjusted the no contact order and allowed them to live with each other. What is wrong with this court? I know. Why don't were they even, out on bail? Don't even get me started. I have so many questions. Now, the thing is, is that at this point in time, Suzanne claims that she had nowhere else to go. That's not true. She still had her father. She had Lori, who is the author of this book, is still a friend with her. And many other people who wanted her away from Dirk. And she just chose like, not you to. You could come stay yep. with us so you're not with him even though I don't feel she deserves any protection at this point. Right, right. At nope. all. There were plenty of people. And that is pointed out and people testified to it. Like, no, that's not true. She absolutely could have went somewhere else other than with Dirk. 
So Dirk lists Inner Circle Castle for sale, and he bought a farm in more of a remote location (laughs) in Bella Bella. Yeah. He's a farmer now. Farmer Dirk. God, that just sounds douchey. (laughs) It sounds so bad. Farmer Dirk. Farmer Dirk. Here's where it gets really bad since he's out on bail. He hires all sorts of people from all over to go and threaten witnesses that were part of the investigation. And Captain Cornelius and the Bloodhound Gang were struggling to get enough information (laughs) to convict him. He better stop messing with Captain Cornelius here. So obviously, I mean, think about all the... Um, foreign relation connections that he had because that is what he primarily helped. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I remember that. So he's hiring all these, he's hiring people to come and make threats against witnesses so they won't testify against him. All of a sudden, Captain Cornelius's investigation is going, is falling farther and farther down the I love so much that he's free to do this. Like, he's just out there able to do all of this. Yes. And he bought a farm. And he bought a farm in a, yes, in a remote location. So we'll come back to that too when he was selling the house. Just give me a second. So remember Janine? Yeah. She was really, really struggling with her heroin. Um, the captain asked for more time for the investigation, but he was denied. So basically, because they don't have anybody that's willing to come forward, and Janine is real strung out on heroin. So he's got nothing. So basically what they do is the charges aren't dropped. They're put on hold until, you know, with a stipulation that they would go to trial once more information was gathered. They had 11 charges of sexual abuse against them that they were each facing. So with the the charges on hold, um, Suzanne, which is Suzanne's mother, decided that the only way that she could try to help protect her daughter is to pretend to like Dirk and to get Dirk to like her. So she called them and was like, you know, I'd really like to reconcile. You know, you're, you're charged. You're not going to court right trial right now. Like, I really want to make a relationship work. He seems <laughs> reasonable. <laughs> so at one point in time, they went, the girls went shopping. Dirk picked them up. uh, Suzanne is in the front with Dirk. Mom's in the back. He unzips his pants while he's driving, shoves Suzanne's head right into his lap, and she gave him roadhead while her mother is covered up with her own coat in the back seat. Oh, my God. He was doing this to determine if he would have any control. How far? She says she wants a relationship with us. How, How far is she willing to go wow. oh, to prove this? Oh, my gosh. He wanted the control over Suzanne. Then, all of a sudden, he wants a sexual relationship with her and talked about it frequently in front of Suzanne, in front of Suzanne. And actually, Suzanne was not okay with this. This really, really upset her. Like, no, you're not going to have sex with my mother. Well, one night, Her mom was staying over when Dirk drugged Suzanne's mother. Oh, my God, no. And Suzanne walked in on Dirk naked over her drugged naked mother's body. He had ejaculated on her 
and told Suzanne to clean her up and dress her. And she did. And the next morning, neither one of the women said anything to each other about it. I did not see it going this way. I thought oh, yeah. that Suzanne was like going to maybe just like, like, help straw? with justice. No. Not to, I mean, obviously she did not uh, ever know that this would happen, Mm-mm. but like. No. Nope. Oh my God. What? Just when you think that this shit stain. It's like anything get, could he get can get conquer. Any yes. Any conquest he can possibly oh, have. He enjoyed the way that he was humiliating both of these women. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Like, I still have the power here. I have the upper Absolutely. hand. Yep. Even in the and midst I'm gonna of this. And going to get away with it. Yes. In this investigation and all of this stuff going on, I still have the power over yeah. both of you. Yep. Oh, I That's hate this why, man. That is why he purposely ejaculated on her. Oh, yeah. And made Suzanne clean it up. Oh, yeah. Like, I still have control here. Yep. When they were selling the inner circle castle, they actually had to live with Suzanne's mother for a short time before the farm in Bella Bella was ready. And so, once again, Suzanne walks in on Dirk raping her drugged, unconscious mother. Again? Again. She says at this point in time that she tried to throw Dirk out of the house, but he apologized profusely and she let him stay. Once again, neither one of these women talked to each other about this. Even like they're staying with the mother at this Mm -hmm. point. Yeah, just briefly. There was just a couple of weeks between one transaction, you know, from one transaction to the next of selling the castle house to the farm and getting the farm in Bella Bella. So he's in her own home, raping her. Now, in 2003, the case was officially reopened for the same 11 charges. When's the trial? Well, in... I need to be there. In 2005, they both pled not guilty. They were given bail again. And they weren't seen as a flight risk. You see, Dirk asked permission to travel to Russia and informed the court that he intended to go to Russia, and he did so, and he came back. And so in late 2005, they're getting ready for the trial. Dirk asks for permission to go to Russia for Christmas. They're like, yeah, this seems reasonable. So they grant him permission to go to Russia for Christmas and postpone the trial for April 2006. Are you kidding me? So he could go to Russia? Yep. He was allowed to go to Russia for Christmas, and they postponed the trial to April 2006. Uh, Dirk Prinsloo never returned. What? I know. Shocking, right? He stopped all contact with everyone from South Africa. He went on Interpol's list of most wanted criminals, and there was an international arrest warrant out for him. This court is like the most accommodating court I've ever seen. Well, I... Oh, you raped children... Let me rearrange the schedule you for you so you can travel. You have 11 charges against you. But you want to go to Russia. Oh, it's the holidays. Let me just get that arranged for you. I think the you. problem is, is that he had went once and come back. So he had gained the court's trust. Right. Mm-hmm. And who doesn't deserve a trip to Russia for the holidays? Right. I think it probably goes without saying to tell you that Suzanne and Dirk at this point in time are no longer a couple. Oh. Uh, she did... Decide to drop her advocate Barbie persona, and she started to return her parent appearance more to normal. She started wearing uh, glasses again instead of the contacts that changed her color. 
She cut her hair. She no longer bleached it. I did see some photos of her like cutting the hair. Yeah. She removed the implants. Um, she even ate. She gained some weight. You know, there's nothing they can do for her nose, but. She had to have been starving. There it is. I would imagine. Too little, too late, sister. Now, eventually, the court was no longer willing to keep delaying the trial while they're waiting for Dirk to be caught internationally and deported back to South Africa. Right. So they're like, just so you know, if he doesn't show up, you're going to face... You're still going to be cri- on trial. Yeah, you're going to face these crimes alone. Well, in June 2009, Dirk Prinsloo was arrested, but not for the 11 charges he was facing in South Africa. He was arrested for bank, rob- bank robbery in Belarus. Oh, wow. He told people, this is my favorite, such a classic move. He told people that it was because his girlfriend had been stupid enough to give the police his email and password, and so they found him. Victim Dirk. You want to know what the reality is? Dirk dumbass shit-stained Prinsloo was stupid enough to leave his own fucking passport at the bank that he robbed. Oh, my God, stop. The police didn't even have to look to find him. Isn't that the best? This makes it all, like, I have hope again because that is just the best. Karma, bitch. Such a karma. Also, our second perpetrator to leave his passport at the scene of the crime. You know? I don't carry my passport with me. Is it something I should be doing? You know, I actually have mine in my purse. Do you? Um, Not a criminal, so I don't worry (laughs) about those things, but... I guess it's uh, it must uh, be a thing because I yeah. have mine it on just me. Slipped out of his old pocket there, probably because he was wearing too tight a pants, and it just boop, oh, probably popped right out of there. Probably all of his girlfriends that he had had from two thousand and five when he fled to two thousand and nine, including a woman that he had a child with, knew him as Michael Grands. Oh, so he was an absent father as well, of course. <laughs> I'm I mean, so stunned. the least of the problems right. of this man. Right. Sadly, yeah, the least of the problems is that he was a deadbeat right. dad, too. Right. So he told everybody that he was Michael Granz, that, uh, that he was an Australian businessman. Now, apparently, it's very common for people to get an Australian accent mixed up with a South African accent. Oh, really? Because no one questioned him that you're an Australian businessman, but you have a South African accent. They apparently sound very similar. Hmm. And so, which I don't, I guess I don't. I wouldn't know. Yeah, I wouldn't know. That is what the podcast, uh, podcaster said from uh, True Crime South Africa. She's like, it's pretty common for foreigners to mix up a South African accent with an Australian Australia. accent. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, wow, wouldn't, I didn't know that. She also made it a point, and I did see this in the photos, so I was going to bring it up too, but um, in Belarus, They keep their criminals in a literal cage. Stop. It's an actual cage inside a room. Not like cells that are built into the walls like ours, you know, are. It is a whole fucking cage in a room. You are like an animal on display. And I why am love I excited? I, I love that he was held. I will I have a picture. It is gonna be posted. Yes. So he was held, so he's in this cage while awaiting trial for his bank robbery in Belarus. And this is where, I remember in part one where I had mentioned that a reporter had like referred to him as unkept and overweight and he wrote her? Oh my gosh, yes. When was he, this 
from this is from this arrest. A South African reporter went to Belarus to interview him. And then when she released her article, she described him as overweight and unkempt. Can we be friends? <laughs> right. Reporter, please. Yep. And oh my God, that had to have hurt him so bad. Oh yeah. I was like, so I think so maybe she knew that. For sure. She, I, I agree. You know? Also, she's not off base. I saw photos from this arrest, like 100%. She was just reporting like the facts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's unkempt and he became overweight. To him, that was probably the worst thing. That was the absolute worst. He told her during that interview that he just had a habit of falling in love with the wrong woman. Oh. Dirky. Oh, poor, oh, poor turkey. Turkey Dirk. I just, you know, he took time out of his busy schedule while he was being caged <laughs> to write her and tell her these he things. He set aside some time. Yep, yep. So in Belarus, he was found guilty on all the charges, or most of them. It was a lot of charges anyway, and he was sentenced to 10 years. So he did not want, he didn't put in for exportation to South Africa to serve his time because obviously he doesn't want to return to South Africa and face oh, his crimes. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to stay in Belarus where he would not have to face his charges in South Africa. So this means that Suzanne has to face the charges alone. Her defense was that she was suffering from battered woman syndrome. And the problem is, is that there was too much evidence to things that she could not deny that she was involved in. So she just blamed all that on the control that Dirk had over her because of her childhood. Ah. During Suzanne's trial, she told everyone that she was sterile from getting human papilloma virus from Dirk. But I would like to remind you guys that they were engaging with sex workers. They were swinging. They were having many consensual threesomes, not just the other things that I've told you about. Yeah, she was having sex with... Many yes. people outside of the yep. relationship, so, if we want to call it that. Yeah. So I, I can't, I can't say that. And there's also not a whole lot of research out there to say that you become sterile from having HPVP either. HPV, excuse me. So I did try to look at that a little bit closer. I wasn't finding big links connecting any of that. So I, I don't know. I don't know any further about that. I just wanted to sh- Unless it like it. led to some kind of hysterectomy or something, but we don't right. know in- yeah. any of that. Something went untreated and but infected. But she's also I don't know. an attorney. She is, and, and a liar. So And she is a liar. Trying to find so, all avenues. Yep. During the trial, Janine was in the throes of her heroin addiction, but she did testify against Suzanne. I'm so glad. She had a really good reason to do this. Uh, Janine had become a mother. She had a one-year-old little girl with her boyfriend at the time. In 2010, Suzanne was found guilty on all charges against her, and she was given a sentence of seven years in prison. What? I'm s- what? I know. I'm, like, I'm giving you a lot to process here. Um, her sentence was seven years, but tragically that same year, Janine took her own life, and she was found hanging from a tree while her boyfriend was away on a construction contract. My soul hurts so much for her. It does me too. I actually cried when I was reading this part because, and I don't usually do that during research, but yes, Janine had her own struggles before she met Dirk and Suzanne, but, and we can't, we don't know, she might have relapsed. But we do know that immediately after the horrific drugging and raping, 
that Suzanne and Dirk did to this girl, she immediately relapsed and she couldn't get herself back out of yeah. it. Yeah. So they had a huge impact on her life. Now, Suzanne did file appeals. They were denied, but after only three years, she was granted parole with some conditions. Her name was to be stripped of the title advocate, so she can't be a lawyer. Pardon me while I flip this table over. By the way, Dirk's name was also stripped of his title of advocate lawyer. She had to register as a sex offender, so... She'll never be allowed to be in contact with, you know, children again if people actually check the sex offender registry before they give that. her access, access. Yes. She was put under house arrest. So she was, she was given parole after three years, but she was put under house arrest for the remainder of her seven-year sentence. She was allowed to go to work and then come back after work and go nowhere else. That's all she was allowed to I'm do. I'm sure that was enforced as well. Mm, I'm sure they were heavily looking after her. Just like uh, Jeffrey Epstein's was. His work release. Mm -hmm. Yep. In 2018, Suzanne married a businessman from Quasi-Lunatel. Oh, so she went on to have a a life. Yep. And she's now Suzanne Smith. Wow. Yeah. So she's out there free. Sure is. While these children that still remain are dealing with with their trauma. trauma. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. That's what I am telling you. Why are child sex crimes... So minimized. I can't, like, it's so hard for me. For the children just to carry for the rest of their life and have to deal with. Yep. Yep. I just, that's a struggle. She'll go on and marry a businessman and become Suzanne Smith and, you know. Wow. This is hard for me. Mm -hmm. Dirk applied for parole in Belarus in 2017. The authorities have to make a decision that he will either be deported or extradited back to South Africa to face the 11 charges there. Deportation means that he will actually be taken back to Russia because that's how he came to Belarus, was from Russia. So if you're deported, you have to go back to the country from whence you came. Uh, Yeah. Which means he will have opportunities to slip away again. Right. Okay. Why is everything... Uh, so complicated with this, like I know. this man countries learn to play nice together like, can we just have like some happy simple rules because it's no. like this man created no. he committed heinous crimes we haven't even learned from two world wars but they're still like we i don't still know want, I don't, yeah <laughs> let's give him a chance to get away again yep, yeah let's see he seems like he wants to face the music yeah now extradition extraditing means that he will have a person of authority with him at all times to bring him back to South Africa. It's very expensive. The other problem is there's not a direct flight between Belarus and South Africa. So they will have to take him someplace else to get a connecting flight. So it takes all that arrangements. Can we just like not do that? Well, listen, while the South African government was hemming and hawing between extradition or deportation, Belarus let him out on parole. Oh dear God. Why? Yeah. Because they gave him, he applied for parole. How are he the, had a 10 year sentence. They gave him parole. How are we still alive as humans in this <laughs> world? How, we say it all the time. How the hell have humans survived this law? Who makes these decisions? I don't know. You will be happy to know that he was rearrested in Belarus and he is being kept for extradition back to 
South Africa. For now. For now. As of December 2018, he was being held in a cage in (laughs) Belarus. It's the only joy I have right now. He makes claims that he's not going to get a fair trial in South Africa because the case was so famous and that might be true. He's a victim. So, I mean, it's not fair. Right. Dirky Dirk. He's a narcissist. He's going to continue trying Mm -hmm. to prey on anyone, court staff included, that will play his game. Of course. Of course. At this point, I can't find any other details, and I don't know if it's because he hasn't been extradited, or I also don't know if it's just that right now, during the investigation, they're keeping everything very close to the chest on purpose so that he can get a fair trial in South Africa, so that he can't slip through the cracks anymore, and so that facts can come out to finally have him face these 11 charges. I seriously hope so. Yep. So that's the last I... The last information that I know of, there have, has been no trial that I that I could find that's been public record or anything like that. So the, it's all still like he's in very the works. possibly still in a cell in Belarus. I have a big question though, very important. Yeah, is he still overweight and uncomped? Uh, last photo I saw, he w- it was unflattering. Okay, that's all I need to know. Flattering, yes, and I don't know. Um, like I said, I don't know. He There was one article in 2018 where a, a reporter had reached out to him and he was trying to claim to the reporter that he is able to walk around a free man, like indicating that Belarus had like let him out while he was waiting extradition. But there's not anything else to confirm that. And like the book and the uh, True Crime South Africa both said he's he's in a cell waiting. He's in a cell. Yeah. Gosh. Isn't that a Dang. crazy, crazy I'm not case? the same person I was when we started this. I know. I'm sorry the way that I'm changing all of us through this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> you have. Um, let's find a brain bath, shall we? I was going to say, give me the goods. Okay, so I do I do have a brain bath. I have, it was sent to us by a listener, and it's a whole article, a whole BuzzFeed article on different obituaries. And so I thought they were going to be funny obituaries, which some of them are. But the very first one is like a brutal takedown of a horrible person. Oh, post, I'm here for this. Post-mortem. Okay, I'm, uh, I'm here for it. So it reads, Kathleen ooh, Demlau was born on March 19th, 1938 to Joseph and Gertrude of Wabasso. She married Dennis Delmhow at St. Anne's in 1957, and she had two children, Gina and Jay. In 1962, she became pregnant by her husband's brother and moved to California. Okay. She abandoned her children, Gina and Jay, who were then raised by by her parents in Clements, Mr. and Mrs. Joseph Shuck. She passed away May 31st, 2018 in Springfield and will now face judgment. She will not be missed by Gina and Jay, and they understand that this world is a better place without her. Oh, my gosh. Talk they, about gold. Is that even they, a photo to go with it? They printed it and printed her photo. This is her obituary. Savage. You want to talk about the ultimate revenge? Like, so, I got the last word now. Oh, my God. Then the yeah, I I'm just laughing in shock. Right, me too. Like that, 
Also, as Someone we were really printed this as we I was just perusing because um, I'm just processing this case still. And I demand that this photo be used because oh. this shows a broken dirt. Oh, broken turkey. He's like looking into the distance through the bars. Yeah, the through the bars. bars. <laughs> so we must use this okay. one. All right. Yep. Consider it done. Anyway, carry on. That's okay. I understand it's going to take some time to process. It will, and I I just feel like this will help One me. brain bath isn't going to do enough it to cleanse not. us of Dirk Prince Lou it will and not. Suzanne Vassar. So the next obituary simply had a picture of a, an elderly gentleman with his name, Douglas Legger. His obituary just said, Doug died. What? That's it. No. That's all it says. <laughs> Doug died with this Doug, picture. Poor Doug. I love this. I do feel like you're. He's dead. Feel like you're Landon. If he. This has is to what write I will get. Obituary. Yes. Mom died. Yes, that's with your picture, and it will be an unflattering picture. Oh my god! Won't know what a picture. It will a good be a one. left side angle. It will be so. Like, mom, oh, mom died. Yep. She was all right. <laughs> she was kind of okay. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay. This one was also just a little bit, like, savage. There will be no services of any kind except for her best friend, her grandson, and great-granddaughter. I I don't have the name of who her is, by the way. No one cared to see her when she was alive. Thus, you sure as hell are not going to give your artificial respect now that she's passed on after 20 years of illness. Holy crap. I know. You want to talk about savage? Yes. Like, oh, you're sure as hell not going to. You're not going to care now. Yep. Yep. Bitches. Oh, (laughs) Oh my gosh. Then this one doesn't have any words. This is just the photo that they decided to post of grandma. Oh, God. Landon might do this to you, too, if you were ever in a position where you put a toilet seat around your neck. Oh, grandma. Why does toilet seat grandma? I'm not mad at it, though. I know. She's kind of cute with her toilet seat on. I'm sure that there's a funny story to go along. There's got to be. But this is what they chose to use as her obituary photo. Yeah. (laughs) Toilet seat grandma. Just to clarify for those that don't know, my son is on the spectrum, so emotions aren't his thing. I'm really not a bad mom. Like I'm a pretty stellar mom. You're a fucking amazing mom. Words and and emotions, Mm -hmm. we don't... You know, just don't do well. It's not a part of yeah. So of what he's comfortable with? It's very literal. <laughs> very so everything literal. is just like, yep, that happened. Yes, mom yes. died. He still doesn't like that we have a, a successful podcast and makes fun of us. As a right. matter of fact, for example, he was over a couple days ago and he told me he's taking a year off after his visit. Yep, that yep. was enough for him. Yep, like yep. He only socializes so often. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to take a year off after this. <laughs> it was good to see him, though. I it appreciate was. that he'll come and visit me. Next year, it's going to be great it to will. catch up. He'll be even more tall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the next obit- obituary, Frida Cummings passed on August 12th. A fact not lost on the family is that she died before she could see Hillary Clinton elected just as she had hoped. That's all it says. Oh, wow. <laughs> We care that much about politics. She really wanted to see that. Okay. Um, This is just... You can put this in mine. Okay. I will note that. 
Stephen Merrill, 31, passes away February 12th, 2015, due to an uppercut from Batman. What? <laughs> That's all it says. I will gladly put that into oh, yours. I love people with senses of humor when it comes to... I do, too. I want to... mine to have a, a good sense of humor. Yes. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to have to help Landon write yours if you yeah. go first. If if God, if I go first, honey, you're screwed. You can just be like... It will be mom died. Amber and her titties died. <laughs> right. Amber, you might want to edit that Amber out. Amber and her titties. <laughs> Landon might not even use your real name. Uh, he might he not. literally just might have the word mom underneath your photo. Mom. A photo of you that he took while you were blowing your nose. Oh my gosh. Because he will do that yes. too. Like the worst, the worst photos. Um, I won't read you all of this because most of it's pretty normal, which makes it kind of funny. Like just picture a normal obituary where then all of a sudden it says that, uh, so-and-so was circumcised with his dad's pocket knife. <laughs> Next what a way to be remembered. Chan Holcomb. Yeah. Nice. Next sentence is that he loved to fish and caught a lot of crappy. I mean, how do we just casually so throw that in there? Great guy. Loved to fish. This is circumcised. Had a log cap. He died in a log cabin, which is just great for a man who likes to fish. By the way, he was circumcised by his dad's pocket knife. No big deal. I'm sure it was done... Uh, sterile and without Very. any deformation at all. <laughs> yes. Then, this is not a obituary, but it is a newspaper, and I found this funny. Um, apparently, they were going to start an obituary section or something, because at the bottom, it gives the um, the index. You know, you can find the sports here. You can find yeah, that. Yeah. Under deaths, it just says, deaths are coming. Oh, wow. Nice. That's it. Stay that tuned. Was, yep. Stay tuned. Death's here. Death is coming. How delicate. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, those so were good. Those were good. That's your brain bath, trying to cleanse you a little bit. We're, we're all going to remain a little scarred after this we situation. Will. Yes, we will. If I ever find updates on this case, though, I will um, plug it in You know, yes. for us. We'll post it and talk about it on the show. So, you know, hopefully in the future we have more to come here. But as of right now... We have one person that's been convicted and one that is just alleged. Yeah. 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 What a case, though. Yeah. Like, what a horrible tragedy. My heart truly breaks for the victims in this case that st- are probably still dealing with the trauma Absolutely. from everything. And, yep. and Janine. Yes, and Janine. It just breaks my heart. I know. Rest in peace, sweet Janine. But we're going to blast unflattering pictures of Dirk. Yeah, we are. So, I Hardcore. mean, there is that. That's right. Unkepted, overweight, yep. <laughs> which he's really not over, you know, overweight so much. But if you look at the pictures, the circa early 2000s pictures with Advocate Barbie, um, he was aggressively skinny. Okay. And I'll so how he is now is just, just a little plump. Yeah, fluffier. And so I think that that's why um, that reporter knew exactly how to get under his skin. And I love it. Wah, wah. Wah, look at his face. Like, yep. <laughs> it's like, oh, shucks. Wah. Caught again. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we were just looking at more photos. Yes. Anyway, all right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, continue to follow us. Continue to. Charnel, get your shit together. <laughs> Follow us on social media. If you're interested, join our Patreon, crimecuriouspatreon.com. And keep it curious. Keep listening. We'll talk to you next week, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.